0: or even a glass of wine, if it's that time. And get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 67 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. Happy late birthday, Jen. Thank you, thank you. Did you do anything fun? No, not
1: really. It was just kind of a relaxing day. We did go out to eat for dinner. It wasn't that good.
0: Oh, it wasn't? <laughs> no. Where did you it was go? such a letdown.
1: Well, when I was in San Diego in early June, I had some amazing Mexican food. So I was like, we got to have somewhere around here that's got some better Mexican food. So I asked for some um recommendations on Facebook and a couple of people in, in the community suggested the same place. I was like, well, they said it was like authentic. We, we would love it. I'm like, we're going to go there. I did not love it.
0: Oh, no.
1: <laughs> Maybe San, San Diego ruined me forever.
0: Did they sing you happy birthday at least?
1: No, we didn't even. Oh, you mean at the restaurant? Mm-hmm. No. No. Oh, man. I did get one happy birthday. A friend came over and brought me lunch. I had two meals yesterday. So a friend brought me lunch, and she and my husband did sing happy birthday to me.
0: I was just thinking, you know, it's the intermittent fasting podcast when we point out you had two meals yesterday. I did. I I
1: had two meals yesterday. (laughs) It's true. And, you know, that the lunch was good. But then I was also wanting a good dinner. And then I was just so disappointed when it wasn't. Then I came home and I had baked my own cake. Okay, because I don't
0: like grocery store cake. (laughs) I, I would I would bake my own cake. It would be like crazy gluten-free I baked um (laughs) well
1: mine was not gluten-free it's a a pound cake I've made before it's a cream cheese pound cake and I put blueberries in it and I don't know what was going on but it was baking longer than ever and it wasn't getting done so then I was like well it's got to be done so I took it out and it wasn't done when we let it cool and we tried to eat it it wasn't done so I'm like okay a bad meal and bad cake what's happening oh no yeah yeah who knows? I wonder if humidity can affect the bake of a cake. I don't know. It's you know humid here, so who knows? But it was not a, a food win on the on the birthday. So I have a year till I'll turn fifty. So my fiftieth birthday, I'm gonna already be thinking about the, food. the next.
0: It'll be the big one. Yes,
1: the big five zero. We're gonna make more of an effort for the food to be good on that day. Okay. Well, we have got a
0: year, so we have a year exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, have you been doing anything new in your life?
0: I'm good. I actually, I have a, I have a um, a request for opinions from listeners, if I may ask. <laughs> oh, please do. I can't wait to hear. So, I got back some blood tests, and I have really high mercury levels, and um, I kind of suspected that I'd always eat because you know I eat a lot of fish. Like I love right. fish, but I'd always eaten really low mercury fish. I would only eat tilapia and cod and salmon, basically, and then I moved back to LA, and I was like, oh, what? You know, I can't really – it's probably not that big of a deal, so I started eating like sea bass and tuna and just all the things, and um, I think that was a really bad idea, especially <laughs> – I was listening to a um a podcast yesterday about mercury poisoning, and – The amount of mercury levels compared, like, low mercury fish versus high mercury fish, it can be, like, thousands of times difference. So even, like, having one serving is a big difference, and I kind of went crazy. So Uh. I've been researching all the mercury chelation protocols, and honestly, it's the most complicated health thing I think I've ever researched in my life, even with the podcast and with everything we research. Yeah. Because it's so complicated. Like you take these chelation agents and they basically pull the mercury out of your system. Um, but then they're in your system and the chelation agents like dissolve with certain half-life. So if you don't keep taking them, then they, then they're just in your system and you just make things worse. So Uh. if any listeners have successfully implemented a mercury chelation protocol and would like to send me information I will accept it.
1: So your your doctor did the blood work, right?
0: Yes. And I know she's going to discuss the protocol as well. But um, I don't know. I've been just researching. And apparently, there are a lot of protocols you can do on your own, especially with yeah. ordering like ALA. But the, the a- ALA, um, which is an antioxidant, but apparently, if you do that protocol, you have to take it every three hours. Like, you have to wake up in the middle of the night and take it. Because if you don't, wow. you know that the half-life I just mentioned, basically, yeah. it'll grab all the mercury. And then... the the ALA dissolves, but then the Mercury's still there and you just It's like
1: cycling more. Yeah. Right. And it just yeah, gets redistributed
0: other places. And apparently Mercury can attach to the brain. And you know how I've been having like brain fog a little bit and stuff. So Well that that would explain that. Very interesting. So yes. So if any listeners have successfully implemented a Mercury chelation protocol. I will accept all the information you'd love to hit. You love to hit me with because there's so many different opinions too. Some people are like, "Oh yeah. Some people are like, "Oh, you should go hard and do like the intravenous these certain compounds." But then other people are like, "No, that will kill you." Well, it will be interesting to see what your doctor
1: says. So yeah,
0: I am curious. Yeah. I'm just,
1: she may have something in mind already.
0: Yeah, I did message her and she said we could discuss it. I'm just impatient. And I yeah. Want to start now
1: so i ordered the ala well yeah, we'll, see. I, we'll yeah, see you know i'm in my my 49 year old wisdom i'm gonna say wait and see what the doctor says <laughs> i know but i
0: think my ala is coming like today so. all right we'll see. <laughs> i just want it out i told my yeah. dad and he was like maybe you can just drink a lot of water and wash it out i was like dad thanks dad no. B- bless him no, no. <laughs> sorry dad that's not how it works it's not, <laughs> it's not how it goes down <laughs> so yeah that's life okay all right well (laughs) shall we um jump into everything for today yes let's get started all right so to start things off we actually have two questions and they are continued from episode 66 uh we so we'll just jump right in so our first email comes from kim and she says i have one more question Maybe you talked about this in your very first podcast, which for some reason is missing in the podcast Republic app that I use. Side note for listeners. Yeah, we um, took down the first episode due to some technical difficulties with the quality, but um, we're going to recap basically a little bit of it here now. So she says, how did you both meet and decide on doing the podcast? You are of different generations and have different opinions. ...on some of the IF details, so I find your interaction to be interesting. Oh, and then she gives us a little feedback as well. She says, this isn't a question. I just wanted to share my experience on how to open the eating window. I find it so important to have my first meal be a combo of protein and vegetables. I think my body is very sensitive after a 16 to 20 hour fast. Early on, I remember I started with a restaurant meal of sweet and sour batter fried shrimp... ...and this gave me a headache for the rest of the afternoon. I love the way IF feels... It takes the focus off of food. I don't obsess about what my next snack is as much as before, and I really appreciate the taste of food more than before. Thank you again, Kim. So our second email comes from Catherine. It's also continued from episode 66. Catherine was actually the one who asked us about her bra size filling out with intermittent fasting. And so her second question was, she says, how do Jen and Melanie know each other? I missed the very first episode and I'm curious how you guys got teamed up on this endeavor. You are a great pair and I love listening. Thanks. Would you like to tell the story,
1: Jen? Sure. It's actually a really great story.
0: And I want to hear it from your perspective, because I feel like I always tell it first. You so. told it last time, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, this is this is like my um This is one of those stories that shows that the universe works when you're ready for it too, you know? I had never thought about doing a podcast. People know I don't listen to podcasts unless, you know, people post it a bunch of times in the Facebook groups and they're like talking about it, you know, a certain episode of somebody's podcast. Then I'll take a look because I feel like I need to be informed. But other than that, I'm not someone who listens to get my info. But last year, not wait, yeah, yeah, last year, 2017, I think it was. February or March? I can't remember. But at one point, somebody in my Facebook group asked me to be a guest on his podcast to talk about intermittent fasting. And so I decided I would do it. It was out of my comfort zone. I had not been on media like that before. So I was on his podcast. It was about an hour in length. And I was like, okay, I was able to talk about intermittent fasting and And it it worked out well. So I was like, okay. So I was talking to my sister about it. And she said, you know, I listen to podcasts. You should do a podcast. And I was like, I don't know. So I was thinking about perhaps starting a podcast of my own, but not having the technical skills, not knowing how to do a podcast. Well, one week later, literally a week later, after I thought about I would like to possibly consider somehow doing a podcast Melanie, who had been in the One Meal a Day Facebook group, but hadn't really posted much. Uh, yeah, I, I actually,
0: no, I just joined to ask.
1: Oh, you, okay. All right. Okay. I Okay. So Melanie joined the group. I'd not had any interaction with her, but she posted and she said, Hi, I'm interested in starting a podcast. Is there anyone that would like to co host? I'm an author and, you know, she talked about her What When Wine book. And so I was like, hmm, this is exciting. So I, immediately closed down that thread because I didn't want like a million people jumping on it and saying, I want to co-host a podcast with you too. Oh, wait. And oh, I, is,
0: that, is that why you cut it down? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Oh. Because,
1: oh. <laughs> you know, this was a big group. We had thousands of members, not
0: not as many as we have now, but. Yeah, because when I posted that, people people freaked out. Oh, like, oh yeah, and I think like,
1: someone was rude, weren't they? Wasn't somebody? I forgot about that. Yeah, wasn't somebody like, "How dare you post on this group so or something?" So a lot
0: of people did. Because okay, I, okay. Did, I didn't even mention the name of my book because I didn't want it to look like I was coming in and being like, "Buy my book." So I right. I just came in and I was like, "I I wrote I wrote or no, because this is when oh the book wasn't out yet." So I was like, then, "I have yeah. a book coming out. I'd like to start a podcast." And so many people were like, "I can't believe you would post about your book and." In Jen's group, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Wrong place. I, I had I had forgotten
1: that part. I had forgotten that. I just remembered that I um that my so my
0: post disappeared, and then you kicked me out of the group too. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs>
1: but I also sent you a message right away. So yes, this
0: is true. This is true.
1: You know, it wasn't like a kick out of the group. Like get away from. I didn't kick you out and block you. (laughs) No, it was just a like. Oh, and I also think now that you remember that you mentioned it, I think someone had reported the post. You know how people report posts. And I think that's and I saw everybody. Yeah, now it's coming back to me. I think that people were like upset. And so that was part of the. I know I'm also a lot calmer about
0: that sort of thing.
1: But, you know, when you're learning to run a Facebook group, you're like, help, what's
0: happening? Oh, yeah, because I guess, report things. how long have you had the Facebook groups now?
1: Well, I started the One Meal a Day group in August of 2015. So it's been almost three years that we've been going on. But, of course, the more people get in the groups, the more we have issues and people reporting posts and people arguing. And that's just the nature of large groups of people these days in the internet age anyway back to the story (laughs) Um, we connected on messenger after this whole whatever was happening in the Facebook group but um, we connected on messenger and we talked about it and I was like well this really seems like a sign from the universe and I remember initially Melanie you were thinking about starting one geared towards women intermittent fasting towards women do you remember that that was yeah. a, what you you mentioned you proposed first wanting oh, to do that. yeah
0: yeah a little yeah i guess we were yeah. yeah trying to figure
1: out who to who to target yep. and we actually talked on the phone um and i was like we seemed to really hit it off so i was like well this actually sounds like a great idea and i talked to my sister again because she's a big podcast person like i said who loves she doesn't do podcasts she listens to them she's a consumer of lots of podcasts and i was like well I asked her, you don't know this part, Melanie, but I asked my sister if she wanted to (laughs) co-host. Oh,
0: really? Wait, after? After
1: Before, well, remember we talked and I was like, let me get back to you because I wasn't mm -hmm. certain. And so um, I talked to my sister.
0: I felt like I was auditioning for something. Well, I just
1: didn't know. It felt like the right thing, but I also didn't know. And it was going out on a limb for me of doing something new. And I I like to think things through, but my sister has been on again, off again, intermittent fasting. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, this could be your starting back, really getting into it again. And she's like, no, too much pressure. I can't do it. I was like, okay. And then I thought about it and then, um, I talked to some other friends and then decided, yes, this is what I want to do. And we got started and have not looked back, looked back. And it's been a wonderful partnership. So,
0: That's my side of the story. That's great. (laughs) Well, unlike Jen, I've actually been listening to podcasts since people didn't even know what podcasts were. Like, this was back in the day. I guess they were on iTunes. I mean, this was when I was in middle school. Well, it was on your
1: iPod. That's how they got the name. iPod. You could only listen to them on your iPod, so it was a podcast.
0: Oh, man, I'm getting hit with so many memories. Yeah, it was like my my iPod. Yep. It was like the original iPod. Yeah. And I would listen to I, oh man, I listened to WDW today about Disney World and I listened to every single episode, like every <laughs> single day. This is forever ago. Yeah. Man. So I I've been <laughs> I've been listening to podcasts for years and years and years and years. And I've been wanting to do my own for quite a while. And um I really wanted to do it. So I was working on the book with my agent and publisher and everything. And I told them I was gonna start a podcast. So then I was like, well, now I actually I got to do it. I yeah. like, got to do it now. But I knew I needed a co-host because I didn't want to just talk by myself. I mean, right. it's like kind of awkward. And, um, so I reached out. Yeah, I found Jen's group and I thought it would be really cool to do it. I didn't think you would respond, but I thought maybe somebody else in the group would be interested. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I just remember posting and then Trying to be, make it, trying to, trying my hardest to not make it look like it was about my book and then just everybody freaking out. I just remember yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the story, pretty much the same from there. Heard, heard back from you though with the the message and um, yeah, we did some calls, decided to do it. It's really interesting. Um, I know whenever I, I would listen to podcasts, I'd always be like, how do they have time to do that? Like every week. Right, you just you just kind of just do it, you do it exactly, so it just becomes routine, yeah. yeah,, and it's been wonderful for the I think the community that we've built, you know, a lot of overlap with our books, but then also right. I think it you know it's got its own community as well, and so it's been really great, and I really really like I really like the direction it's taken, I really like the the topics that we cover, and um I love. <laughs> It's so surreal where it's come to with all the guests that we've had and everything. I know, and and some of the people that we have admired and
1: looked up to for years and have been on the the podcast. really yeah. exciting.
0: So it's kind of it's just really wonderful. Yeah. So so for listeners, if you want to start a podcast, just do it. Just just do it. Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> you need a computer and a microphone and GarageBand, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's pretty much pretty much it, and the internet. Yeah, and it time. really is a
1: maze and time. That's lots right, lots of time. I, w- I was meeting with my audio engineer um, this weekend. We were fine. He has finished editing my audio book version of Delay Don't Deny, and okay. we've actually uploaded it to ACX, waiting for it to be. Approved. I love that moment. Congratulations! Oh, it was so exciting, but he was. He was like, I just can't believe, you know, you just do it, and here it is, and you just pull. I mean, but yeah, we were talking about how technology has made us all on a more even
0: playing field. Oh, as far as like anybody can create content and stuff like that? Yeah. That is really true.
1: It is. And we just were sitting right there, you know, with his laptop that he did the editing on and uploading it on the internet, and it was was pretty amazing.
0: It's like you really can learn almost any skill. Right. That you want to learn with perhaps the exception of recently you know I keep talking about wanting to make an app I was like maybe yeah. I should just teach myself to code and I looked it up and I was like well nope 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 <laughs> it's true it That's- really coding is 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 one of those
1: things yeah as the the mother of a of a coder I could tell you right now yeah it's not easy you know he does he does code and he's got his window um, app that's an intermittent fasting app window, intermittent fasting tracker by Cal Stevens. Anyway, (laughs) it's on the app store, but he, he, um, people ask him all the time or they ask me all the time, you know, do you have an Android version? Is he going to make an Android version? I'm like, you know, he's an Apple developer. People don't usually do It's like a whole nother world. It is. It is. And so even you can be an app developer and not do other languages.
0: Yeah. Just to show how little I knew about coding before I started researching at all, I would, like, post about wanting to, to do an app and people would say, yeah, do, do you want it to be um, Apple, iPhone, or Android? My first thought was there's – is there, like, a difference I have to pick? It's a whole different language, yeah. So for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 67, I will put links there to the, the app that Jen just talked about and then also – I get maybe the audiobook. I don't well, know if, if, it, if it's
1: available, we'll see. It it takes a while. Um, they Audible said it takes seven to ten business days, but it, it should be. Yeah. should be We'll see. It,
0: they're pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty efficient. Because I have recorded quite a few. Actually, speaking of, I'm not going to say the title yet, but there is a book that I talk about all the time on this podcast. And, um, I am recording the audiobook right now. So I know what book it is. It's exciting. I know. A lot of people might can guess because I talk about it all the time. But um, I've been talking with the, the author and he's been wonderful. And yeah, he's been really, really open to letting me record it. That's so, great. I've actually recorded all of it just in the editing phase. Yep. So. Yeah. So, yep, yep. Stay tuned. No Fabulous. pun intended.
1: All right. So we've ready for our first listener question. Yes. This is from Jody. And her subject is feeling trapped. And Jody says, hello from the UK. Great podcast with loads of useful tips. If you have the time, a bit of advice would really be appreciated. I've been using IF for 18 months and have very steadily lost 30 pounds. And I'm now at my target weight. Yay. I sh- and that was her yay, but I will second that yay. I should mention that over the years, I've had a very unhealthy relationship with food and my weight has yo-yoed as a result. IF seemed to me like it would be a good way to start my weight loss as I was generally hungrier in the afternoons and missing breakfast and lunch was never an an issue. My problem is now that I've got into terrible habits and eat the same foods every day apart from my evening meal where I eat with my family. I feel very trapped in this cycle and am worried that if I change my habits, my weight will gradually increase. IF really works for me apart from this one problem. Sorry about the ramble, but I would be very grateful for any advice Thank you keep up the good work Jody
0: All right Jody well thank you so much for your question and I thought this was a really unique email I, I just really like this question I thought it was something really great to address and but before we do so Jen does do you think does it sound like Jody is having lunch and dinner because she says that she she says it wasn't hard to miss breakfast and lunch but she says she's eating the same foods. But she eats her evening meal with her family. So do you think she's having her evening meal? I I
1: interpreted it as she does a similar kind of one meal a day approach as I do where I'll have a snack to open my window and then eat with my family, especially since she mentioned she skips breakfast and lunch.
0: Okay, so you yeah. think she's like having some
1: – A snack and then a meal. The,
0: and the, and those, those snacks are what are the exact same yes. foods? That's how I interpreted it. Okay, so lives so many different thoughts here, um, Jody. I well, I completely know where you're coming from as far as feeling like you can only eat certain foods and having fear about eating other foods. Um, for me personally, historically, that. I did have that from the same mindset as you, especially when I was losing weight because you find certain foods that work and make you lose weight and then you think, oh, if I change things, you know, I'll gain weight. That's like your automatic, your automatic thought. Speaking to that, I I find that doing something consistently for a long time is what creates change. So just experimenting here and there, it's not going to completely derail you, I, I highly highly doubt that. Um you I think you'll be completely fine if you try different foods and even from my own personal per, uh experience. For example, I used to be super low carb. This was a while ago, like a few years ago, and I was convinced that that was what was maintaining my weight loss. And I was terrified at the thought of adding more carbs. I was convinced if I added more carbs I'd gain weight. Ironically, I added more carbs finally And I actually lost more weight from it. So really, we just don't know. Like, we just don't know. (laughs) Um, And sometimes actually changing up things can actually lead to more weight loss because it kind of just sends a new message to the body, kind of gets things going in a different direction. But in any case, I would just really encourage you not to have the fear around the food choices and feel comfortable, especially when it's related to weight loss. Definitely feel comfortable with experimenting I still actually struggle with this It's not because of weight loss at all. Now it's because I just have IBS and digestive issues so I get I get really really nervous about trying new foods because I'm convinced that they're going to create bloating or create digestive distress so it's not the same thing but in a way it's sort of the same thing because I'm you know I'm in this safe world and I have these safe foods and it's just it can be really scary to go beyond that and um, I'm that's something actually though I'm working on. Daily, and I encourage you, Jody, to work on as well is just not having that fear. And a book that I will recommend <laughs> that I recommend a lot on this podcast, <laughs> The Yoga of Eating, is actually really, really amazing. I've been rereading it recently, actually, and it's all about intuitive eating. And but from a really, really well written perspective, and it's not about what foods are right or wrong, it's not, it, it's just really about trusting your body and that if we just listen to our body signals, our body, our body knows what it needs at any given time. And if we just really listen to that, that is the healthiest choice that we can that we can really go. And um, I really think that good things can come from that from having that trust. So I really, really recommend that you you check out that book and I think that, that will that could really really help. You could also just try changing your mindset. Instead of thinking, oh, if I have this food, I might gain weight, you could think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to make it all about weight, but you could think, oh, if I try these foods, I might lose weight. <laughs> you know, like you could just completely change the paradigm in a way. Um, although overall, I encourage you not even to really make it about the weight loss and just make it about the nutrition and the, seeing food as fuel and for health rather than weight loss even. And, um, and you're not committed. So if you, you know, if you try something and it doesn't work for you, you're not committed. You can, you can always go back. And um, what, one very last note, I mean, you are eating an evening meal with your family. So if, if that is different every single night, then I'm not sure why exactly you feel super trapped if you are eating a different meal every single night, but maybe the choices you make within that meal are still pretty restrictive. I'm not sure. What are your Thoughts, yeah there's
1: there's a lot a lot to unpack from this question and and that was a good point you know eating different things in the meal you know expand that to the to the other part of your eating window as well you know I believe that we're meant to eat a variety of foods and I also think that eating the same thing over and over again actually could cause problems in the body because your body adapts to eating that and then you eat something different and your body thinks that is something foreign, um, like I've read this in food allergy books, I guess, that you know if, if we overdo certain things, our body builds up a problem to that food, basically. I don't think I explained that very well. But you do want to have a variety of, of things in your diet. So go at it from that point of view in that you don't want to limit yourself or cause problems down the road. You want to try different things. Now, I want to speak to the real – root of this issue is the fear that you're going to put all the weight back on because, look, I get that. And I I probably appear to be very confident about maintenance and I've been in maintenance now for over three years and I am 95% confident with maintenance, 99% confident. I don't know, it's a pretty high number. But every now and then, that old diet thinking will pop up in my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have a little bit more fluff right here than I did last week you know I'll measure my waist or whatever most of the time I don't have those thoughts anymore the longer I go and maintenance the more confident I get but sometimes I still get that same feeling of gosh is this too good to be true and it's all gonna pile back on so far hasn't happened maintenance gets easier over time I have those thoughts less and less but I do understand where you're coming from because You know, someone like me, and probably you, you you know, if we've had, like you said, an unhealthy relationship with food and weight, and we've yo-yoed, like mine did for decades, we have been at maintenance before, only to see it slip away. You know, I remember the last time I lost weight before before intermittent fasting, I lost weight and got down to, you know, but it was right when I turned forty. As a matter of fact um I had done some unhealthy weight things along the way and gotten to a lower weight and then immediately yo-yoed back up and then ended up at my highest weight ever of 210 but that yo-yo is something we've experienced so many times that we feel like well is this intermittent fasting too good to be true could this really be the end of the yo-yo and Jody for me I'm <clears throat> sorry I'm choking up Jody for me it has been it has been the end of the yo-yo And I think that over time, you'll get more and more confident like I have. Now, like I said, that doesn't mean that every now and then that little voice might not pop back up here and there. Because, I mean, we've got decades to undo. So expand what you're eating. Try to have that confidence that that it's going to work for you. And, you know, let us know.
0: Yeah, I will say one more thing as well. And this is completely my opinion and my perspective, so you you don't have to listen to me at all. Um, but um, for my personal experience and research, I don't know what exactly you're eating, like what types of food you're eating, Jody. I don't know if you're counting, you know, macronutrients, like if you're going low fat or low carb, or if you're doing whole foods or anything like that. But I do find that if you are choosing primarily like whole, whole foods that aren't messing with appetite signals and aren't making you want to unnecessarily eat more, that that, in, a, in an intermittent fasting protocol, I have found to be the most effective for weight maintenance and very, very unlikely to gain unnecessary yes. weight. Because when you're just eating natural whole foods in a natural intermittent fasting pattern and i say natural because historically we did we didn't eat 24/7 so when you're eating natural whole foods that are satiating that are filling in an intermittent fasting pattern i think you can just feel very safe right you really you really can and i think you can just trust that And just go with that. So that's something I'd encourage you as well. Maybe you are eating whole foods. Maybe you're not. But that's definitely something to consider as well. And that's where the
1: 99% of my brain knows that this is what I weigh now. This is what my body is like now. Because I know how I feel if I overeat. And I know that my, my appetite signals are in sync now. And that my body says stop eating. Or if I have a few days where I eat too much, my body says stop doing that. So you know the longer you go the better you'll better you'll get at at these signals and knowing when to stop eating and then you'll realize yeah i'm not going to cycle down into a eating all day every day and regaining the weight because it doesn't feel good and so you like the way you feel when you're doing intermittent fasting so you don't want to deviate from that and like you know the cruise that i just went on i did deviate from it on the cruise but was so glad to get back to normal when it was over that it, it just there's there's zero chance that I will will stop intermittent fasting.
0: So hopefully that helps. Keep on keeping on, yeah. Jody. You got this. <laughs> righty. So speaking of maintenance, now we have a ton of maintenance questions, and you want to just read them one at a time and talk about yeah. them one at a time. Otherwise, yeah. it's just so a lot of can, reading. Yeah. So we'll just go through these one at a time and speak to them so the first one comes from bailey and subject is maintenance and bailey says hey ladies i just started if about two weeks ago and what is more important than the six pounds i lost is how this lifestyle feels like the perfect puzzle piece i've been missing like similar stories i heard on the podcast i've always felt better when i accidentally skipped breakfast but had a huge sense of guilt your podcast has completely opened my eyes and i have never felt so much at ease than i do now sincerely, thank you. Since I'm still new to IF, I've been trying feverishly to listen to all the podcasts. There are a lot, but I'm getting there. So forgive me if this question has been answered. I've heard Jen speak of reaching and being in maintenance. Is this just the weight goal she set out for herself or is it when you stop losing weight? I don't really have a set weight that I'd like to be at. I'm 5'3 and 119 pounds. I've been opening my window for between five to six hours a day and feel very comfortable there. I'm not super hungry during my window and I'm gravitating to healthy whole foods. Just wondering if this is something I should have on my radar. Thanks in advance, Bailey. And I actually really liked this question, Bailey, cuz I actually wanted to ask you this for a while, Jen, because I never used the term I never used the term maintenance until like we started this podcast, until yeah. like you started saying it. So, how would you answer this question? Yeah,
1: it's it's just a general term that that people who have lost a lot of weight talk about now we are in maintenance because, you know, after losing, initially I lost 75 pounds, and then now it's, it's grown. I don't know the exact number now since I haven't weighed in over a year. But um, basically, I'll tell you how I decided I was in maintenance and then how that's progressed from there. When I was um, 210 pounds, I thought, what weight do I want to be? You know, what is my goal weight, my dream weight? And I just picked it out of, you know, a time I thought I felt good about myself. And I was like, all right, I'm going to weigh 135 pounds. And that was 75 pounds of weight loss, which is a really nice number. 75 is a is a good one. You know, it's a meaningful number. And that would put me right at 135. So I started, did my whole weight loss journey. The day I hit 135, It was March of 2015. I was like, I am at goal, you know, because we have a goal. So the whole idea is now you're at goal, so now you have to maintain that goal. And with other, you know, quote, diets, maintaining the goal is where it gets hard because you always regain the weight. So I was like, all right, here I am. I'm 135 pounds. I have to maintain this weight. Of course, I also at 135 realized that I did still have some fat that needed to go um, and that maybe that wasn't where my body was going to end up after all, but I would just kind of see what happens. So as I kept going month after month after month, you know, I had another goal. I was like, I'm going to get to 125 because I decided that was my my new goal. By the way, I never saw that on the scale. <laughs> I could, I might weigh that right this minute. I don't know. You know, I actually bet I probably do, but I, if I got on the scale and it said 130, I'd still be mad. That's why I don't weigh anymore. So whatever, whatever I decided in my mind that my goal, my new goal of 125, was going to be, I basically just let my body take the lead, and that was that was the whole you know stopping weighing moment for me, letting it happen. You know, I was able to maintain from that. 2015 till 2016 I still continued to weigh for a year and I was able to maintain within the range of the 130s all that time and I would dip down to 130 and at one point I got as high as 138 Um, that was when I, I finally gave up stevia and then my weight went back down to right around 130 132 and then month after month as I weighed it would stay there so then I stopped weighing and I didn't weigh for a year and during that year this was um, 2016 to 2017, my body continued to get smaller. I went from like my, my favorite store to buy jeans is The Loft. I love to shop at The Loft. They're not a sponsor, but they should be because I love The Loft that much. But <laughs> I was wearing a size four at The Loft when I hit my 135 goal weight. And over the the time um, from 2016 to 2017, You know, suddenly I was needing to wear a size 2 at the loft, and so I was wearing a size 2 in the jeans. And then, you know, a few months later, I was needing to buy a size 0 in the loft jeans. So I was was wearing a size 0 at the loft, and my jeans were smaller because when I held them up next to my size 4s, there clearly was a difference. So that's when I thought, gosh, I've gone down two jean sizes. I've probably lost 10 pounds during this period of time because, you know, 10 pounds, two sizes – that was when I got on the scale and found out the last time I had weighed, it was 132. And then I got on the scale and it was 130. And I'm like, that was the the day I threw away the scale for good. And I haven't weighed since then. So since that time, which was June of 2017, I haven't gotten smaller to the point that my size zero jeans from the loft don't fit. Although, you know, I do find some things that were a little looser or now don't fit anymore. I've gotten, a, you know, my body is still tightening up. I'm losing cellulite. But I'm not trying to lose any more, you know, size. I don't want to be a double zero at the loft and then having, whatever. I don't want to, that's not, that's not my goal. So my body is still taking the lead. And I don't think I'm losing weight on the scale. Like I said, two sizes only equated to two pounds for me over that, that long period. So I'm not worried about what the scale says. Again, if I got on it right now and it said 130, I'd still be mad, which is dumb. Because <laughs> it really doesn't matter what what that number says. And, you know, Intellectually, I know that. But that's why I stopped weighing. Um, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and trusting that my body is working it out. Because some days I'm hungrier than others. And some days I'm not as hungry. And so... I don't find that my body is changing quickly, and I never want to look in the mirror and think, gosh, I've lost too much weight. So I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. But I, I think my clothes are a good gauge of that. You know, the clothes that I was wearing last summer that fit me well last summer still fit me now. The clothes that were a little loose last summer, some of those I had to let go of. But I, I, just, I think that your body naturally gets to a point where it'll increase your appetite, or decrease the fat burn to a point that it all works out. So I'm—I I don't know. That's a long story to to explain that. I think it just—it just works out <laughs> if you listen to your body's signals and pay attention and don't, you know, don't get to a point that you are too thin and you don't like the way you look. At that point, don't let your body get there. You know, eat more, listen to your appetite signals.
0: Yeah, the body definitely. Especially, when, like I said, when we're eating, you know, nourishing, whole foods, and especially in an intermittent fasting pattern, the body definitely reaches set weight points that it determines is a set weight point for it. It adjusts hormones. It adjusts appetite. So it really likes to sit there. So so, so maintenance, I guess, is just a, a general term for it's both a, a goal weight and a weight in a way.
1: I mean, it's like the rest of your life, you know. In the diet world, maintenance is – it's just what we, you're not dieting anymore. You're just maintaining your weight. It's where you're maintaining your weight within a range. And I've always been careful to say maintenance range because people really get upset in the Facebook groups if their weight goes up like five pounds over what they, they declared to be maintenance, right? You know, if you, if you declared you're going to weigh 130 and then you get on the scale and it's 135, that that's upsetting to people. But you've got to know there's going to be a range where your weight fluctuates. And the fluctuations really did mess with my mind to a point, as much as I know that they're normal, I don't like seeing them either. It's that whole, you get trapped in that diet mentality. So I think that, you know, I, like I said, I did um, weigh for the first year of, you know, quote, maintenance, and then I stopped. And it was really so freeing to give that up and just go buy my clothes.
0: Historically for me, I, I was always doing like yo-yo type dieting in high school and college with like crazy diets and fixated on the scale. I remember just being so fixated yeah. on the scale at, like every single day and, and feeling like nothing really worked. Like I just felt like I could never really chip into any fat to lose and it was just so frustrating. And then when I discovered low carb, that's when I actually started actually losing weight and that's when I really became fascinated in the science of fat burning And so my journey was over quite a few years of just really, really, really really studying the science of fat burning and everything, and that journey led me from low carb, then that led me to intermittent fasting, which I never looked back, I just loved it so much, and then that led me to paleo, so eating whole foods, and um, so it's definitely been a journey. And ever since I really started looking at what I was eating and when I was eating, Rather than counting calories, rather than fad diets, things like that, it was a consistent weight loss journey. But I will say that the body definitely, definitely can maintain certain weights, especially when you set it up right hormonally with nourishing foods and intermittent fasting pattern. So,
1: yeah. And again, I want to reiterate that the weight you see on the scale may not be what you think that that you should be, as far as the number, you may find that it's higher, like with me. When I decided that I really needed to be 125 pounds, not 135 pounds, and then I never saw that on the scale, I could, like, choose to be really upset about that and, you know, diet my way down to whatever number I would like to see. But instead, you know, Dr. Herring talks about this in in his book, Appetite Correction, and I love it. I've, we've recommended this book before. It's in the Stuff We Like list. Um, on the on the intermittent fasting podcast website he talks about the idea of having a goal body instead of a goal weight and that's really transformational thinking and that was part of my journey to give up the scale I have my goal body yeah I still have a little cellulite I had cellulite from the time I hit puberty that's how women in my family are built and I do see that getting a little better over time you know as I continue with intermittent fasting will it ever be gone I don't know but as far as the size of my body It is beyond my my goal body. You know, even though I may not be the weight that I thought it would be, I may be higher on the scale than, you know, because I have built a lot of muscle with intermittent fasting. So I think I have a nice lean physique and I'm smaller in size, but I may be a little heavier because of the muscle. But focus on your goal body and how you look and how you feel in that body instead of so much what that scale says. Because we have a lot of women in the Facebook groups, you know, men too, but but mainly a lot of women because our weight will vary up and down a lot. Women with, with our hormones, we, we go up and down pounds at a time. We just can't let that, that natural fluctuation
0: with our, our range upset us, but we do. Another related question, this comes from Kenny, and he says, what does normal look like? And Kenny says, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast for a while. I've been water fasting Monday through Wednesday for the last two to three months, and I've lost approximately 25 pounds. I'm a short guy with plenty of insulation and would still like to shed another 35 pounds. I can see a goal weight within reach, but I'm beginning to wonder what maintenance looks like. I know, I know, I know. I can hear Jin saying it depends, but is there a trick to maintenance? How and how would you and how did you transition to maintenance? So I guess so similar question. Do we transition to maintenance? What are our thoughts on that?
1: Well, right now I'm, I'm reading this as Kenny is doing a fast from Monday to Wednesday every week. Like, does that mean he's not eating at all on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Like, is he doing a 72-hour fast every week? And
0: that's – see, it's – I mean, it sounds like it. So that that is different than intermittent fasting as we practice. So, Kenny, this is what I'm going to say. (laughs) I know this is probably
1: not how you want to live your life. Um, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe you envision never eating again from Monday to Wednesday and water fasting. But I bet you don't. So what I think you should do – this would be my very best advice – I want you to design the lifestyle that you can see yourself living forever. So, what lifestyle do you want to live? How do you want to eat? Find that and then you will get to the weight that and the size and the the body that that plan supports. So, I would start moving away from this. You know, I I would not recommend somebody doing, you know, long-term water fasting Monday through Wednesday all the way to goal weight. Cause that's not, that's not a sustainable lifestyle to me. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe that, that does sound like a lifestyle. Someone would like to lead, but you know, I, I don't want to do that. So figure out how you want to live. Do you want to have an eating window every day with a five hour window with one real meal in it? Maybe a snack and a meal like I do. Um, or do you see yourself as a two meal guy? You want to have lunch and dinner like my husband does. Um, Probably, I will say, since my husband never had to struggle with his weight, two meals is something that works well for him. But if you've had to struggle with your weight, you may need to be more like me with, with the one meal a day. So I would experiment with what feels like a lifestyle and stick with that. What do you think, Melanie?
0: Yeah, I like what you said. And I just wanted to talk about one little thing about, like, transitioning to maintenance. I do find – um, that a lot of people might go super crazy extreme in the beginning with intermittent fasting with dietary approaches and losing a lot of weight and then as far as the quote transition goes then when they reach the weight that they like they might start opening their window a little bit longer or adding in you know more whole foods i mean i think if you have a lot of weight to lose i actually don't see anything wrong with that approach if it's coming from like a healthy mindset and everything but yeah there's just there's just so much fixation on weight and transitioning and what to eat and what not to eat, and it's just crazy. And I think we just – I mean, it sounds so simple, but just trusting the intermittent fasting pod, – the podcast, just trusting intermittent fasting, and I really like what Jen said about finding a sustainable pattern that works for you because that will really – that can both provide results and be sustainable. And You don't feel like you're committed to something that you're having to do to lose weight. So. Alright, our next question comes from Holly, uh, subject how to maintain. She says, Hi ladies, I've been listening to your podcast and practicing intermittent fasting for several months and I love both. I'm trying to stay up on more current episodes and catch up on past ones, so I may not have gotten to a discussion of my question. I'm losing weight easily and steadily. I've heard you mention maintenance. How does one maintain her weight while still practicing intermittent fasting? Will my body know when it's time to stop losing? Thanks so much. I enjoy our daily talks, Holly. And um, so, yes, yeah, so we've covered a lot of this before, Holly, but basically your body should maintain a healthy weight. And um, we talked about this earlier earlier, when you are at that weight, if you need to eat more, um, your appetite should regulate naturally. You'll probably find yourself hungrier and just know that, you know, it's okay to eat more and your eating window to, to support that, maybe lengthening your eating window to support that. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hardcore stress about it. Any other thoughts?
1: I think that we we talked about it pretty well with the other two questions about, about maintenance. Just let your body kind of transition into it and and you'll just see how it goes
0: another one from sarah she says i love the podcast listen on my long commute every day it makes it go by fast i've been doing if for four months and love it i'm 62 and i lost a lot of weight quickly almost 20 pounds and i wasn't really overweight to begin with i want to continue but i don't want to lose any more weight i need to know how to do maintenance maybe you can address this so i think we addressed it um definitely follow your appetite, follow your satiety signals. If you feel like you need to, you can lengthen your window. Just, you know, try to be intuitive and trusting of the process. And then one more question from Jennifer. Hey ladies, I've been enjoying the podcast and all the awesome info you share. I've been doing IF for six weeks and I'm down about 12 pounds. My question is, how do I know if my goal weight is a realistic number? So this this is a little bit of a new question. Should I base this on BMI? I know body composition can play into this too. I'm very athletic, working out five times a week, and feel like I have quite a bit of muscle mass, so I want a realistic number for myself. Also, I know in a previous episode, you spoke about the fact that your body will not lose fat or weight indefinitely, even if you continue on AYA forever. So my question with that is, how do you know if your body has hit a plateau or if you are just hit your maintenance number? Thank you. So there are some new questions in here, Um, basically. There are. Should we be looking at BMI and how do you know if it's a plateau or maintenance? So what are your thoughts, Jen?
1: Well, again, I'm going to go back to the the phrase that I talked about a few minutes ago, and that is goal body instead of goal weight. Because, you know, we've all seen those, those memes or whatever, or the photos where they'll have like five pounds of fat next to five pounds of muscle, you know, and the fat is like huge and the muscle is lean and small. So... If you are building muscle and losing fat, we call that body recomposition, and you can actually shrink in size and the scale won't change or it could even go up. You know we've also seen probably most of you have seen photos of people who have posted their their weights and they'll show themselves looking quite fluffy at one weight and then a photo of themselves looking a whole lot leaner and it's like the same weight (laughs) or even higher and and their bodies have clearly changed. So, you know, when we're looking at BMI or we're looking at the number on the scale, that is not measuring your body composition. So I feel like you need to really pay attention to how your body is changing. If you are the same exact weight day after day, week after week, month after month, but your pants size is going down, are you at a plateau? I would say not because you're losing fat. If you're getting smaller, you're losing fat and building muscle. So, so many, so many things to keep in mind. If you're working out five times a week and doing intermittent fasting, I would bet you're building a great deal of muscle. So, if you're in the size clothing that you would like to be in for the rest of your life and you feel like this is a good size for you, then you can say, yep, this is where I want to be. But if you're not, if you still are, you know, four sizes higher than than your goal body, then you keep that in mind too. That That's what I would suggest. Don't focus on the scale. Yeah, the scale is a useful tool. I used it while I was losing weight. I used it to tweak. I used it to help me see if what I was doing was working for me. But also keep in mind, Jen is not a big muscle building workout kind of girl. I'm not at the gym five days a week. I have built muscle, but... I have not purposefully gone, you know, you know pumped iron with the purpose of trying to build muscle. so the scale did show my my progress pretty well. If I had been doing a you know a a heavy exercise regimen, I don't know what my scale journey would have looked like. I'm sure it would have been quite different. So just keep all that in mind.
0: yeah, I love everything you said and and Jennifer, it sounds like you have a pretty good. With your with your workouts and you know your realization about your muscle mass and everything that you have a pretty good grasp on your on your body composition and how you'd like it to be. So I really like what Jim was saying about having what, what was it a body not a body a goal a body goal body yeah this is from Doc, Dr. Herring he says have a goal
1: body instead of a goal weight. We have time for one more question, and it is from Crystal, and the subject is Serapeptase. Crystal says, "I just ordered the Serapeptase after hearing you both rave about it, and I was just wondering how long you
0: took it before you noticed any benefits." Thank you. Love you.
1: All what right. do you say to that, Melanie? So that's a
0: quick question. We actually had a really we had an episode where we answered all the Serapeptase questions, and it's funny. I thought, I thought we did that episode, and I was like. People are going to just be like, why am I listening to this podcast? This whole episode is about seropeptase. That episode has been one of our most downloaded episodes. So that's so funny. People love the seropeptase, and people are always in the Facebook groups and stuff randomly will be like, Thank you for introducing me to serapeptase. Long story short, serapeptase, it's a proteolytic enzyme from the Japanese silkworm. You take it in the fasted state and it basically goes around the body, this enzyme, and breaks down residual protein builds up in the body. So it can be wonderful for things like sinuses and just lots of things. So if you go to ifpodcast.com episode 67, I'll put a link there to that other episode where we... Talked about it more in detail and also linked to the serapeptase that we use. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash like, and it's listed there as well. I don't think we actually answered this question. Um, I just know I've consistently taken serapeptase for about probably, probably three years or so now, and I actually saw pretty big differences really quickly just as far as inflammation, especially my sinuses and my face. And then as far as long term benefits, there are a lot of things that I I think are due to Serapeptase, but I'm not quite sure. So I can't I can't really say. But um I I think just doing it consistently has helped to break down buildups and such. So how about you, Jen?
1: You know, I actually had immediate um results that I was not expecting. I think I talked about this before. I was taking it for uterine fibroids, um, which someone mentioned it as as something that could help with that. I'd actually had surgery for uterine fibroids, but then noticed I was having some of the same symptoms reappearing that indicated, you know, because what you hear about fibroids is that they continue to grow back and you have the same problem. So I was intermittent fasting and I was continuing to have the problems related to fibroids. So I started taking the seropeptase for that. I started immediately having some sinus things going on that I was not expecting. Like it's, I could tell it was clearing up some things in my sinuses and I wasn't expecting it or I didn't even really at the time know that it did that. So I started researching more and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's doing something in my sinuses. I wasn't even expecting. So... Um, yeah, that was pretty much right away. And as far as the fibroids go, those symptoms have gone away. Now, is it the seropeptase or is it intermittent fasting or a combination?
0: I don't know. You know, it could
1: be autophagy working down there. So (laughs) I don't know what it is. But either way, I've noticed a lot of difference.
0: Yeah, the thing that I noticed the difference with, and again, I don't know if it's a seropeptase. It probably is a combination of fasting and seropeptase and everything. But I always had a little like cyst-type bump on my nose. I actually even got it removed by a um, dermatologist. Yeah, by a dermatologist. And he was like, you know, it's going to grow back because that's the nature of it, unless they like actually extract it, I guess. Sorry to be gross. And it did grow back, but this was all before fasting and seropeptase and everything. But since fasting and seropeptase, I mean, it's now... It's now gone, and this is something that I was told would always grow back and grow bigger. Yeah. So something, and something <laughs> got rid of it. Um, I right. don't know if it was the serape days or the the fasting, but I do think it completely anecdotal. But I I, I do think it might be something like that because I don't know what else it would. I don't know what else it would be, but
1: yeah, it's hard, It's hard to. To find the cause and effect relationship to know if it was the seropeptase or the fasting because we were doing both both at the same time. But I do know that the seropeptase did something with my sinuses because I had an immediate – I had some symptoms. It actually caused me to feel bad at first, like negative symptoms to go with and then before it cleared up. Like it loosened stuff up, and I was
0: like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with my head? (laughs) And then it got better. Yep. So, so definitely check out ifpodcast.com slash like, and there's a link there to the serrapeptase that we like. All righty. Awesome. So this has been wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, there are two ways that you can do that. You can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to our website, ifpodcast.com, and you can submit questions there. That's where you'll also find show notes for each episode. So that's where any references, links to studies. Oh, I just want to say one thing. I just remembered when I said studies. You mentioned ste- cutting out Stevia earlier, Jen. Yeah. I've recently become a Stevia, like, freak. Like, I'm having so much Stevia because I read a study. I read a study that said it, it would break t- – um, they compared different Stevia extracts, Um, four different brands. They compared Now – truvia, um, the special brand that you can only get on Amazon and then one other brand. They looked at it in vitro on lime cells and it break it would break down the biofilm of lime, the, the, the ones that were extracted with alcohol. So like the, the liquid versions. And one of them, the one that you can only get on Amazon, and I actually ordered it, was like super potent, and it completely broke down biofilm from lime. I, mean, I don't have lime that I know of, but anything that can break down biofilm like that seemed like pretty cool. So I was like, I'm going to start having stevia, but now I'm a stevia addict. It's a problem. It tastes so yeah, good. Yeah, keep it in your
1: eating window.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I don't
1: – Yeah, I'm just saying that to, to to listeners. We're not now suddenly saying have Stevia during the fast. No, no.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry, no. Sorry, my bad. Because I was eating, you know, tons and tons of fruit, but now I'm like, oh, I love the sweetness of Stevia, and I'm breaking down biofilms, but I think it's a problem. I think I need to cut out. I'm going to tell you this about Stevia um I, I talk about this in delay,
1: don't deny about how I gave it up, but I was an addict. I was addicted to stevia, and I had the I used um, the vanilla cream little droppers of I can't remember the brand Oh, sweetleaf, sweetleaf stevia, and the the vanilla cream was my flavor. I had one in my purse. I had one in my desk drawer. I had one by my coffee maker. I had one in my house. I mean, I if I saw I was getting low, I ordered a, a refill. I mean, I was addicted to it. And when I first gave up stevia, and started drinking my coffee black, I had a detox reaction from the stevia. How so? Yes. Like, like you know how if you give up caffeine and you think you're going to die? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how giving up stevia felt. So
0: I wonder if it was the stevia, if it was like the flavors, or if it was just everything.
1: I don't know. Or if it was like maybe finally having a clean fast for the first time yeah. in my life. Maybe it was that. But I did some researching at the time and found some other people talking about having a detox reaction to giving up stevia. But, I mean, if if your brain is, like, so happy with the stevia, that could be an indication that it's doing something maybe that you don't want it to, you know.
0: So hard. So hard to know. I was addicted to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it during the fast at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I I was – I now also don't like it anymore. I think it tastes gross. It's funny. I used to think it tasted gross, and now I really like the taste of it. It's so hard. just hard to know. But the study is – Really fascinating. So if people want to read it, that, that's the reason I said that. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 67, we'll put links to the study, so I will put that stevia study and uh, anything else we discussed. And then I also said you can go to Ivepodcast.com slash stuff we like. That's where we put a link to all the stuff we like, including um, we've been reaching out to various different brands that we like specifically (laughs) and we've been telling them that we really like them and so a lot of different companies have given us discounts for listeners so if you go to that page podcast.com slash stuff we like you can get discounts on some of the stuff we like as well like kettle and fire bone broth like ancestral supplements dry farm wines. so fun things anytime we can get you guys discounts we will and then um, a few other things, if you if you go to iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast and then you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically every week. You won't even have to do anything. And if you'd like to write a review at that moment as well, we would totally, totally appreciate that. Speaking of reviews, same thing on Amazon. Um, you can get our books there. We ha- I have What When Wine, Jen Has Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. Audiobooks coming soon, actually, for for both my book and for Jen's book. So definitely stay tuned. That's super, super exciting. And um, you can also follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. So I think that is all the things. Yep, I think Lots so. Of we had a, a great – this is the maintenance episode. This is the maintenance. There you go. righty. No. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.